Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Tom Rebek and I'm here with Yulia Matusevich-Kulinska. We're going to talk about developments in fixed networks in Central and Eastern Europe. As ever, this is based on an article that Yulia has written um, and we'll include a link to that article in the show notes. Before we get on to the operators, though, let's talk about the economy and inflation. So, so why is inflation such a big issue in Central and Eastern Europe? The economic uncertainty and threats related to the war in Ukraine are profound. Most of the markets in Europe struggle with inflation, uh, but the region is more vulnerable uh, here due to its high dependency on Russia's oil and gas and um, much stronger trading links. Unsurprisingly, the um, European Commission's economic forecasts expect that the inflation crisis will be deeper and will last longer in CE, especially in countries sharing the border with Ukraine and Russia. Um, So inflation rates in general are expected to calm down this year, um, but the process will take time. For example, in Poland, inflation in February peaked at over 18% year over year and declined in March to only 16.2%. So we think of inflation being very high in Western Europe, um, like in the UK, it's gone just over 10%. But in some parts of Central and Eastern Europe, it's it's double that or nearly double that. So 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 much higher. Um, and like you say, it's, it's, it's not that this crisis is over, the inflation is staying. Yes, it's going down, but it's going down still fairly slowly. Exactly. Okay, so how is that um, all in, uh, impacting operators in, in the region? So, um, as we mentioned in our forecast, the major issue for operators in 2023 and 2024 will be coping with inflation and rising energy costs. Um, Operators have already implemented some price increases or plan to do it, uh, but inflation is obviously limiting household spending, including spending on technology upgrades and new handsets. So, um, operators will try to reduce the impact of the uh, economic burdens, primary related to inflation um, by, for example, accelerating migration from DSL to FTTP technology. Um, This migration will allow operators to save on network maintenance and on energy costs and provide customers with higher speeds, um, which may also generate higher broadband ASPO. we must note here that the progressing transition from copper to, fi- co- copper to fiber puts more competitive pressure on cable operators. Uh, and it prompted them already to start self-overbuilding with FTTP and migrate to fiber in a long term rather than follow a tactical response to retail demand. Um, There is more on that topic, focusing on cable operators in uh, our report, Cable Network Strategies in an Age of Fibre by Rupert Wood. Great. And we'll put a link to that as well in the show notes. Sorry. Thank you. Um, and I understand that the acceleration of fiber deployment, uh, it's not necessarily what one would expect uh, as a response to a weaker economy. Uh, we could rather expect operators to hold off investments. Uh, but in the current situation, um, the adoption of fiber instead of copper will bring so needed long-term efficiency. Um, and cable operators need to replace the cable networks and um, replace it with fiber to remain competitive. So um, these are two main aspects of fiber development, but we also expect that fiber networks will be deployed in um, areas with limited or not no access to such an infrastructure today at all. Um, overall, as a result of, of that, we expect that the fiber 
collection uh, as a share of the total broadband connections will increase from around 56% in 2022 to over 67 by 2027. Okay, okay. It's a, I mean, it's an interesting point. I think you wouldn't necessarily expect high inflation, a weak economy to, to result in accelerated investment plans. You probably expect the reverse. Um, but here, I guess, given the, the cost savings um, from having a fibre network, the, the, the ongoing OPEX savings of having fibre versus a, 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 the older DSL networks means it, it makes sense to accelerate these plans. Yeah. Um, and then you have that knock-on effect on what it means for the cable operators and they have to, to, to follow suit. As you say, they can't just uh, respond, respond tactically. Yeah, long-term outlook, I think it's the most important now for operators. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, let's talk about two other drivers to this, this migration to, to fibre. Firstly, about the role of government and then the importance of network sharing. So let's start with the role of government. What was the role of government in these, these rollouts? Um, yes, indeed, uh, part of the build-out in new fibre networks will come from government intervention or subsidies. Um, governments will keep offering subsidies to operators, um, especially to ones that invest in uh, fibre in location with, um, uh, which, is, which is less attractive to deploy such a networks. Um, so, regulators in Europe um, are typically performing an annual infrastructure review, um, mapping exercise, and are able to identify areas uh, where speeds of at least 30 megs per second are not available at the moment. So, the government then uh, can define these areas, um, allow uh, public intervention for that region or area, and set the terms for distributing subsidies. Um, and this, this detailed mapping and um, analysis of coverage is currently a part of the EU state aid rules in the field of telecommunication. Right. Okay. So for governments to be able to provide these subsidies, they have to have the, have the proof from the mapping exercises that are these regions where um, there aren't these higher speeds available. And that, so you need intervention yeah. of some sort. Okay. That's yes. clear. Um, then the second uh, part of the question about drivers to fibre was about the, the network sharing agreements. Well, no, no, not necessarily network sharing, but also joint ventures, um, financial investors and so on. So, so, so how important are those in the, in the rollout of fibre? Oh, they are very important. Um, operators that want to expand their businesses and increase rural coverage very often enter into network sharing agreements. It allows them to save on network rollout costs and um, improve their coverage much faster. Um, so, yes, definitely we expect to see more shared network deals and joint venture between operators, operators and financial institutions, and operators and utility companies. Um, particularly interesting are network sharing deals with utility companies, I think, um, because operators are um, having access and easily uh, can access the customers in really remote and sparsely populated areas. Um, here I have one example from, from Poland, UPC Poland, uh, which is now Iliad Company, um, um, have a deal with energy provider Tauron to cover uh, over 120 municipalities in remote areas only. Um, another example of, of uh, such a deals is ST Energy. Uh, they will use a loan from European Investment Bank to provide fiber to 266,000 of households in Estonia by the end of 2023, right. which seems... Uh, Quite ambitious goal, yep. and all that support, all that investments are going to be mostly in rural and underserved areas. 
Um, maybe also one example of the um, deal between operator and financial institution. Yep. Um, Orange and APG uh, Financial Investment made the joint venture in Poland. And there is a plan to roll out a fiber optic network to 1.7 million households in Poland by 2025. Um, and again, this investment is specifically focusing on areas where access to high-speed broadband is not yet available. Okay, good. Very interesting. So, so lots of partnerships between operators and, well, between operators themselves, between operators, financial investors, and also the, uh, the energy companies. Very good. Thank you, Julia. Um, as I said at the beginning, we'll put a link to this article in the, in the show notes. Um, and if you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We welcome your comments, feedback, and reviews. Thank you for listening.